Hey, this is Arvind Talley with Elixir Mortgage Lending. And in this episode, we have Des Gerald on our podcast. And Des is a realtor. Um, Des, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? Fantastic. Fantastic. Appreciate you coming on the podcast. Oh, absolutely. And uh, Des, tell us a little about yourself. Again, my name is Doug Gerald, and I am a real estate broker owner out of Charlotte, North Carolina. The name of my company is DI Real Estate and Staging. I'm licensed as a real estate broker in 2004, and I am also a certified accredited staging professional. And I was certified uh, with my staging certificate back in 2007. Real estate is my life. Real estate is my passion, and I just love doing it. I love educating consumers on the home buying process, the home buying, excuse me, the home selling process. And um, I'm very much, I guess I will say OCD. Some of my clients would say I'm OCD, um, but just, you know, very um, particular on the way that a property is presented and put it on the market. Right. And that's from uh, the staging aspect to how the pictures are shown and everything else, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and in the case, you said that you started your brokerage in 2004 and, you know, that's that's 15 years. Uh, how, yeah. That's a, that's, that's a long time. That's uh, you got to really be <laughs> You got to be really good at this job because this job is a very, very hard job, as you may know, and it's yeah. it, it, it it has it's cyclical, so it, it has you know ups and downs, and that's quite a long time. Um, yes, yes, it is. I actually made it through the two thousand eight recession. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big um, one. Which was tough. Um, uh, so- and I actually started out in the Winston-Salem area. I'm I'm originally from Boston, Massachusetts born and raised and I moved out to North Carolina in 2001 and started off um, in the Winston-Salem area um, doing real estate. And how is real estate like the face of it change as far as how you get in contact with clients from like what 2000, you know, four or five look like as far as technology goes and 2019 looks like? Well, I, I tell you what, um, it's the, the new technology has been great. Um, I really hit some rough spots, you know, starting out back in the day, and I always tell my family and friends, like, oh my gosh, if we had the technology um, back then that we have today, um, I would not have hit so many rough spots. Uh, like you said, real estate is a very, very tough industry to kind of stick it out in you know you have people that have this misconception that oh my gosh real estate brokers make all this money and they cash and these big checks and you know to some degree yes we, we get big checks but guess what <laughs> <laughs> that big check might have to last for three to six months right right depending on what's going on in our market depending on what's going on um with our business and how we're pulling in um, clients. 
you know, it's, it's just not easy, especially starting out. You, you really have to get out there and hustle and, and pretty much work 24 hours a day. And I'm not, I'm not kidding. Even when I'm sleeping, Arvin, I'm dreaming about it. <laughs> <laughs> How am I going to get this one? No, I kid you not. There's, there's, there's definitely um, dreams that I remember where I'm like coming up with ideas of marketing concepts. But, you know, in order to be successful in real estate or any industry, that's what is needed. That passion that's there. You have to eat, sleep, and breathe what you are doing to be successful. Exactly. And in this case, um, what advice do you have for realtors starting out in 2019 um, where the market's already hot and everything is already moving to start out as a, uh, as a, uh, knowing that this is a challenging job? Oh, well, my advice would be to definitely do your research, um, talk to some realtors, shadow some realtors, um, and, and just try to get a good feel of the industry and um, if you really, really want to do it. Don't, you know, just assume that, oh, you know, I'm going to be out here making cash big check and having a whole bunch of clients. It's going to take you a good year to build your business. You might not, you might not close on anything. You might close on one thing. You might... Hey, you might surprise yourself. You might close on ten to twenty deals and make six figures on your first go run of getting into the industry. But I do suggest definitely talking to different realtors in the industry, visiting different real estate companies to see where would you, where you would like to hang your license. Asking if you could shadow. You could even start building. Your, your SOI, which is called the fear of influence, meaning your friends, your family. Start building that. Start looking into the technology that you might want to use. The CRM um, software that you might want to use. Start playing around with that. Um, and once you find that CRM, you know, you're, you can start adding your fear of influence. Um, enter that CRM, playing around with it and start building your database so once you get that license you can take off running you can take off running and continue to build and foster relationships with real estate folks we need each other we need to be a support to each other exactly because you have to work hand on hand for a deal to happen between buyer and seller every time right exactly and And if you're a listing agent hmm? You're going to want to have relationships to where you're going to want, you know, uh, real estate brokers are going to want to come out to your broker open houses or open houses and bring buyers. So you have to foster those relationships. Makes sense. Makes sense. And that's um, something off the surface. You go, well, I'm an individual. I could just go out and sell real estate. The client's the only thing that matters, but I guess there's more. That's right. Absolutely. Have you watched any of those million dollar listing shows, the Bravo million dollar listing shows at all? Do I watch them? Mm -hmm. the, the, the million dollar listing shows? Right. I do. <laughs> I do. Uh, first of all, it's entertaining. And second of all, sometimes there is good meat in there. And other times, it's like, okay, come on. This is only way for TV because this is not how it goes. But I, I think they 
is a good mixture of balance between the both and um, making it entertaining. They make it look easy. So when I see yeah. that, I'm always pumped. But at the same time, I am thinking to myself, like, this isn't that easy. Like, just walking up on TV and going, yeah, we just closed a $6 million, $10 million deal and just kind of going on to the next one. Uh, that yeah. doesn't happen in most people's world. <laughs> Absolutely not. And, you know, you got to look at, okay, where am I living? Like, what is the average? tell the audience which markets you work in I know you work in more than one mm -hmm. and uh, besides you're, you're in Charlotte besides Charlotte North Carolina well what markets uh, do you work in so I currently uh, am in Charlotte North Carolina and then about an hour to an hour and a half away there's this area called the Triad. In the Triad, there are four towns that um, I operate in. It's Winston-Salem, uh, Greensboro, Kernsville, and Highcombe. And then I am also licensed in Georgia, and so I kind of cover the Atlanta area. And uh, is the markets totally different right now with everything being hot in these areas, or is it kind of fairly similar? You know, to be honest with you, it's, it's, it's kind of similar all around. Um, I would say for just the regular buyer, anything 250 and under in these areas do not stay on the market at all. Um, and it's still pretty much a seller's market. Atlanta is not as bad, from what I've seen, not as strong as a seller's market. I don't want to use the word bad, but not as strong as a seller's market um, in Atlanta. Um, and, but I said, on average, I would say, I would say, yeah. And, and that is the, the that price point when houses do not stay on the market. housing is that becoming challenging because here in California uh, affordable housing is not uh, really there anymore in Southern California here it's like uh, more and more people are renting just simply because they can't uh, they can't really get in that easily is that do you guys have that challenge as well or is it a little bit easier to get in so I would say that 
Yes, it's yes, it's definitely a challenge all around. It's it's a challenge. I mean, there's so many communities across the United States, even because I speak to other realtors, and I'm a part of a global network. And there's so many communities that are going through gentrification right now. And so, as someone buys a property, renovates it, and gets sold, then the appreciation of that area, you know, starts to grow rapidly. And I just find that that's what's happening um, a lot through a lot of the different um, cities throughout the United States. I noticed um, you said that 50% are consumers and 50% are investors. Um, that's like a that's like a pretty big uh, to me chunk as investors. Like when you started out, like or five ten years ago, did you have that that percentage in investors as well, or is that something that's on the rise now? Um. You know what? I'm not going to say this on a lot because I would say around 2006 to 2008 in the area that I lived in, which was the feeling at the time, I started to come across a lot of investors during those times. And, you know, then the market crashed and then, you know, of course, a lot of things died down. And that just happened to not be my area of focus and I don't know if it's because you know I was kind of new to the industry and still getting my feet wet and just trying to figure out where my niche is going to be I actually evolved into working with investors over the past I would say four to five years my business has evolved into being 50% investors and the rest retail by themselves and uh, working with investors is that where uh, your staging business uh, does better, or is it just mainly with any listings? Well, um, to be honest, I try to incorporate that with my regular listings as well, because I, I really do care about how uh, a property is presented and put on the market. So with my regular retail sellers, I actually offer a complimentary staging consultation and what I do with that is I would um, once they hire me I you know make an appointment and schedule a time for me to come by the house and walk through the house and um, go through each room one by one and say okay here's my suggestions for this area and here's um, my suggestions for that area remove this declutter depersonalize and so I, I use it on both both ends. Um, possibly more full blown on the investor side because a lot of times when we're um, doing flips, it's a vacant property and I have to stage it. Sometimes my sellers they they're still living in the house. They have furniture, so I have to work with what they have. It, well, I'm sure when you walk into a home and you're going to list this property if it's clean and it looks nice and fresh in there that's like an easy compliment to give but what do you do when you walk into a house and you're like this place does not look good how do i break this to these people <laughs> is it is it is, is it something like you gotta let them down easy by like oh you might want to like you know <laughs> 
how do you how do you go about that, or how do you gently kind of break it to somebody? Um. Well, you know. You always have to try to put yourself in someone else's shoes, right? So you kind of want to put yourself in a situation where it's like, okay, how would I like to receive that information? And it's just simply, you know, letting them know about my expertise, the areas um, that I operate in, my niche, and sitting them down and saying, hey, let's let's have a talk here. You know, um, we have to be very um, strategic on how we present this property and um, one of the things that I do that really helps the situation is I say let's pick a day and time where we can go and we can look at the top three uh, listings <clears throat> excuse me that are in your neighborhood let's go view them let's take a look at them because our goal is to make sure that your listing is the one that sticks out and so i'll take them to about three um houses that's currently in the market in their area and we view them and we pick out the things that are great the things that are not great um and then we go back to the house and that's when i bring up the conversation about what we're going to do with their house and so it just makes it very easy like they get it because they were able to see what other houses are out there on the market and how can they make their house the top listing in that area so that we can get it so we can get it so quick. And uh, right now, what's kind of pretty much like the from listing to getting an offer in your market, what's consistently, what time frame is it right now? You know, it really depends on the neighborhood. But again, I'm going to stick with that price when a teacher's theater under doesn't stay on the market very much. I mean, it's typically in the contract within a day or two. That's some, incredible. Um, yeah, some listing agents will hold out for maybe about a week um, just so they can see, you know, uh, if they can bring in more buyers and, you know, bring in the top price point for their clients. Um, but on regular, you know, I'll say houses over 250, it does depend on the neighborhood. It does depend on how it's uh, presented. Um, if, it's, if it's in a decent neighborhood um, or a desirable neighborhood, a neighborhood that people want to be in, I would say the average days on market would probably be about 30 days. That's uh, still incredibly short amount of time. Um, yeah. I know. And that's the Charlotte area because I'm, I'm here and I'm local to Charlotte. So I know this area very well. Um, so I'm, I'm talking specifically to the neighborhoods that I know very well in Charlotte that are desirable neighborhoods. Definitely about 30 days on market. That really is not a long time. And mm -hmm. do yeah. you have any advice for folks? I know that uh, from what I'm hearing and reading, it's 90% of all searches start online before anyone gets in contact with anybody in, re in the realtor community. A, does that hold true? And B, if it does, uh, what advice do you have for folks who are starting out or what they need to do before start going out looking at homes? It's funny you say that because today is Tuesday and um, I was actually going to record a Tuesday today and it's going to be called Do Not Put the Cart Before the Horse. 
I have come across so many buyers um, over the years who are just so excited to get out there and look at properties, and they give themselves their own price point. You can't do that, folks. First of all, you set yourself up for disappointment, um, and it's just it makes the process seem worse than it is. Because it could be an enjoyable process. Yes, there's ups and downs, especially if you don't know the industry. But by you going out, being excited, and you just put the trick of price that you think, oh yeah, this is, this is what I want. Okay, let me start looking at $300,000 home. And then you haven't spoken to a realtor. You haven't spoken to a lender. You have not even filled out an application to get pre-qualified and know, you know, what how much you can purchase, it's just, it's definitely put in the cart for the way. And it, it's, it makes the, the home buying process uh, less desirable. So my suggestion is not doing that um, at all. <laughs> <laughs> at all. <laughs> you gotta talk to Des on that. You gotta go talk to Des on that. That's right, I'll point you in the right direction. <laughs> so that would be my advice. And, and to just, do your homework, do your due diligence. Um, I created, uh, I would say, I'm up to close to 20, 20 questions now. I first started with 10 questions you should ask the realtor before you hire them. So, but I am close to 20 at this point. But you really, you know, and some people don't realize it, but hire your realtor, hire your lender. You know, do your due diligence, do your research, I mean, Google is offering. There's so much information out here on Google. Um, YouTube, you can go to YouTube, you know, see what people are saying about the home buying process. But really do your due diligence. You do that up front, it's going to make the process so much more enjoyable. I see inquiries on my end. They come in and it'll be something like this. Um, uh, the under contract or pending contract and um, credit score like not maybe usually it's usually not very good and uh, on top of that it comes in with like something like in the lines of uh, like zero down payment this and that where are people getting this stuff from they almost create their own loan terms and everything else and they went out and wrote an offer <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's crazy that's really crazy. But yeah, it, it, in a way, you do have to be careful with some of the information. That's, that's out there. Exactly. Um, I, I don't want to bash websites, but there are some third-party websites out there. I know if it's, if it's legal for me to say their name. Yeah, we probably just keep them off. We just... <laughs> we just we, right. Yeah. But there's some third-party websites out there where buyers, you know, these big cops, search engines for, for properties and they don't even have the updated information. And so you have especially sellers saying, oh well this this uh, website says that my property is worth this much and and I'm just looking looking at them like guys like they don't even have updated information. Their information does not directly feed from the MLS, which is a multiple listing service. And that's where realtors put properties on and take off of the market in live real time. These third-party um, 
websites don't do that. And so I always say, you know, your best source is a real estate broker. That's, that's your best source. If you're out here trying to purchase a house, speak to a professional that can guide you along the way and educate you on the, in the process. How challenging is it when you go to a seller's home and say, you know, your house is worth this much and they think it's worth so much more because they went online. How do you approach that? It's very challenging, but like I said, I go back to um, say, hey, I want your house to be the top house out here. It's not worst case scenario comparable to the top houses out here. So let's get in the car, let's go view some three, three houses in your neighborhood, and let's see what they have, they are offering um, out on the market. And let's make sure that we're comfortable, if not better. So you actually and physically that, drive them there? Excuse me? You actually physically drive them to these locations? Yes, yeah, oh, absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. And then I have the talk. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned that that's the best way to do it. <laughs> Let them see what's out here for themselves. Let's take a look at your property. And now, let me visit what you think you And even when they see it, those are still, uh, those are asking prices. They're not sale prices. Sale prices could still be lower, obviously, right? Well, yes and no. So, they look at what's active. Sometimes you go to houses that are actually under contract already. So they can look at what's active, they can look at what's under contract, and see how many days it took for that property to go under contract. And then I'll show full comps. And that gives them a very good idea of, okay, you know, a realistic idea of, okay, when you look at my house, how does my house from here to be? Um, and then that really brings us to a really good um Agreeable. <laughs> I like the word agreeable. <laughs> Forget bilateral contracts, just agreeable. <laughs> you know? Yeah, agreeable. We're, we're all agreeable. We all get along here. <laughs> right. <laughs> In this case, uh, do you have any realtors working at your brokerage or are you a one woman show? I am. Pretty much a one-room show. I have someone that assists me with admin um, work and some of my marketing. I do have my sister that is in the triad area, which I stated earlier, uh, Greenville, High Point, Mississippi, and Carnival. So she has her license with me at this time. But it's more of a part-time basis. Um, I'm not really looking to be a, a big company where I have a whole bunch of agents in the and I'm in this area and that area. Um, I, I I would like to grow that organically, and if it never goes to that, I'm okay with it. Uh, but I, I want to be very strategic of who I choose to be a part of my team. That makes and sense. So, yeah. That makes and sense. I understand. I, I'm uh, I'm pretty much a one-man show myself, and I know that um, I had folks working here for a little bit when I started out. I, I was a little maybe overly ambitious, 
And I'm like, well, I'm just going to get people here and we're just going to do volume. And all it was doing is cost, cost, cost. And if you don't produce, it just puts more pressure. And um, one of the biggest challenges that I was running into is the challenge of everyday business of just being able to operate and be able to do everything is challenging enough. And if you don't have the mental preparation to handle more, uh, these things can be more challenging. And in the case of, you know, staffing and probably the liability that uh, you have to carry along with it. Absolutely. My thing is, I, I don't like to live a stressful life. I'm very laid back, open, honest, and to the point. I'm, I'm just straight to the point. Um, and, you know, I try to speak my honesty in a sincere way so that it can be seen. But I'm just one of those type of people where I'm just a no-nonsense person. Um, life is short. And it's a gift. And I don't want to live out my life high stress and high pressure. It's not necessary. And my main objective, I would say, is to build relationships. It's never been, oh, I'm going to get into this industry because I'm going to be out here making money and cash their checks. To me, it's not about the money. Yes, you have to make money to survive and live and yes it's great it's rewarding when you can support your family and you can take trips and you can do this and you can do that but if you don't have great relationships and if you're not fostering great relationships it will continue to be a a rat race and a whole bunch of pressure and, and just trying to have a whole bunch of value and having to you know just over extend yourself when you have relationships